The Lifestylist, episode 92, featuring Dr. Dan Stickler. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Organifi. I discovered this product a few months ago and it has changed the game for me. Everybody knows that green juice is good for you, right? Here's the deal, though. A couple disadvantages to your average cold-pressed green juice. A, a lot of times it comes in plastic, not good. B, it's usually loaded with sugar up to 25 grams, which is basically like drinking a green Coca-Cola. Not happening. Next is they go bad. You can't leave it sitting out, and they're really bad for travel. So I love my green juice. That's cool. Cold-pressed. I get the sugar-free ones. I'm into it. But Organifi makes a green powdered superfood that comes in these little packets that are portable and you can take with you. So I keep them in my car and in my bag and on demand anytime I have a bottle of water, I can pour one of these in there and have an instant green juice. Alkalizing, energizing, gives you mental clarity. It's fantastic. It's loaded with 11 superfoods. A lot of the green powders not only taste gross and are overpriced, but they'll have like 200 ingredients. And I'm always thinking, how much of each ingredient is actually in there, okay? These 11 superfoods are the important ones that you need, like turmeric, chlorella, wheatgrass, spirulina, mint, moringa, ashwagandha, lemon, beets, matcha green tea, and coconut water. And it's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's got a zero glycemic index. It's fantastic stuff. So if you want to check this drink out, work on your health in a way that actually tastes good and is super convenient, here's what you do. Go to Organifi.com, that's with an I, Organifi, Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 20% off your order. You guys know I always give you a hookup if I'm going to tell you about something cool that I discovered. So again, go to Organifi.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20%. It's really good stuff. This show is brought to you by my friends over at Clearlight Saunas. And I want to give you the opportunity here to save a considerable amount of cash if you're interested in purchasing an infrared sauna. If you go to HealWithHeat.com and enter the code LUKE, you're going to save $450 as well as receive free shipping and a free ergonomic backrest to use in the sauna. So you can go to healwithheat.com, use the code Luke, or just give them a call. They're super cool people. It's a family-run business. You can call them at 800-317-5070. Now, why do I use an infrared sauna? Okay, let me just get into that. I use it for weight loss and increased metabolism. So basically, I'm losing weight, burning calories from just sitting on my ass in the sauna. This is you know, scientifically verifiable, and I know it sounds too good to be true, but it's not. Uh, muscle pain relief, immune system boosting, massive detoxification, improves the appearance of my skin, eases joint pain and stiffness, and it's just really good for stress and fatigue reduction. When you chill in an infrared sauna after about five minutes, what happens is you go into a parasympathetic nervous system state, which means you are cold chilling. So it's just really good for relaxation. Now, if you want to learn more about saunas in general, 
I'm going to suggest that you go back to my episode number 24 because the whole damn episode is about infrared saunas, okay? So again, if this is something you're looking into, I think they're the best in the market. They've got indoor and outdoor models starting at $24.95. They're very reasonable, really high quality. And again, if you use the code Luke, you're going to save 450 bucks off your purchase, free shipping, and a free gift by going to HealWithHeat.com or giving them a ring at 800-317-5070. Mic check, mic check, one, two. What's up? It's your old pal Luke Story back with another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. This episode is so dope. I can't wait to share this with you. I interview Dr. Dan Stickler, and I finally, finally, finally get to sit down and totally geek out for an entire episode on nootropics and smart drugs. If you know what that is already, you're already stoked and you're hooked. You're going to listen till the end. If you don't know what I'm talking about, these are compounds, some natural, some not, that optimize your mental performance, your focus, your brain, your creativity, your memory. I mean, really just your intelligence in general. And how I found Dan was through this company called Neurohacker Collective. They have a site called neurohacker.com and they make this nootropic stack, which is like, you know, a series of different pills that you take essentially with all these crazy ass compounds in them that make you hella smart. And I've taken all of these things in different forms from a lot of different companies. I've had some success and some failures. And I just was totally into this stuff called Qualia. So I tracked them down and tracked down one of the guys behind it. And that's how Dan ended up being on the show. So we do talk a lot about that. This isn't like an infomercial. I'm just like into this shit. And I want to know like why it works and how it works because I take it uh, five days a week. I take two days off. So that's how I found him. So some of the things we talk about is like defining the mind versus versus the brain. And of course, really, what is a nootropic and how is that different from a smart drug? And then we get really specific about a lot of different compounds uh, that are out there on the market, like all of the racetams and modafinil and, um, you know, PQQ, Nupept, Hooperzine A, a bunch of shit that I can't pronounce. <laughs> it just goes on and on. If anything's good for your brain, we pretty much cover it in this episode. It's just like absolutely nuts. And so we really give you a lot of solutions for things like brain fog and distraction in the inability to focus, uh, which happens to me a lot when I do these intros. It's really late at night right now, so I'm kind of feeling that right now. But I don't want to be taking nootropics because I'm about to go to bed. I might take some sleepy ones, but not the ones that uh, like qualia. That's a little stimulating. So that's what this episode's about. Dr. Dan is awesome, super smart, very you know intelligent guy, but also down to earth. He's not too difficult to understand, which I love. Sometimes when you talk to like these super nerds when it comes to biohacking and stuff, like you literally don't know what the hell they're talking about. I understood most of what Dr. Dan said in the interview, so it's really cool. So I'm very excited to bring this one to you. Oh, and also as a special bonus, sometimes I'm able to finagle this, sometimes not, but uh, the guys at neurohacker.com offered you, the audience member, a 10% discount if you want to check out Qualia. The audience code is Luke. So go to neurohacker.com. You can figure out how to spell that. Enter the code Luke at checkout and you can save 10% off your order if you want to do that. And if not, whatever, just listen and learn. It's all good. There's a lot of great value here. I also want to let you know that next Tuesday, number uh, 93 is coming out with Desiree Pace. 
It's one of the ones I recorded last time I was in New York, and Desiree is just this like fantastic now age, cool yoga teacher. Just really, I don't know. She's a trip. You're gonna like this episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss next week's show. Uh, it's gonna be a good one. And thank you so much for listening. As always, man, my downloads are growing. Uh, I got up to 85, number 85 in the iTunes. Um, what do you call that? Top 200 the other day, and I was just like floored. I'm at over 800,000 downloads. So whatever you guys are doing is working. I really appreciate the support. If you're able to, share this episode with a friend. It does a lot. If you really want to go hardcore, you can find your way onto iTunes and give a rating and a review of the show. I'm sure if you listen to podcasts, every single podcast guest asks for that. You know why? Because that shit really helps us grow the show. With no ratings and reviews, iTunes basically ignores you. And if you're a podcaster, iTunes is is the man. They're like the plantation owner. Like they own our ass, dude. And the only way we get any love is if we get ratings or reviews. That's how we get up in the charts. And when you get up, I'm just giving you the inside scoop. When you get up in the charts, then more people are able to see your show and then you get more downloads. See what I'm saying? It's sort of compounding. And the more downloads you have the bigger and better and more awesome guests you are able to attract. And that's the goal of the show. Not necessarily to have super famous guests all the time, but I'd really love to have my pick if I can, and then I can bring you all the people in the world that I think are awesome. Okay, I'm rambling. I'm going to get on with it. Thank you so much again for joining me. Share this episode with a friend. Leave me a rating and a review. And more than anything, just enjoy this episode with Dr. Dan Stickler. Dr. Daniel Stickler is medical director of Neurohacker Collective. Dr. Stickler is a future-focused visionary and a thought leader in human potential. He's the co-founder of the Appearance Center for Human Potential and the Appearance Academy. Disheartened by our current sick care approach to health, Dr. Stickler created Human Potential Medicine, an integrated biospherical systems approach that combines the scientific grounding and expertise of modern medicine with leading-edge genetic-slash-epigenetic science and neurophysiological modalities to expand human capacity. He also established the Apiron Academy, which offers advanced education to a tribe of like-minded individuals determined to shift the health and wellness paradigm from the current sick care model to one of optimized human potential. Dr. Stickler's leadership informing Neurohacker Collective's approach to the science of human optimization will deliver some of the most well-researched and scientifically rigorous products available in the wellness market for years to come. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dan Stickler. What's happening, my man? It is an awesome day not to be in Miami. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Is that where you live normally? No. Or are you no. just, oh, okay, you're just glad you're not there. I'm just okay. grateful. I'm grateful I'm here instead of Miami right now. Where, where are you located? Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, okay, cool. Right on, right on. That's great. I've been to a place there. I think it was called Boone. Oh, yeah. It's just up north of us. Yeah, yeah. Cool town, cool town. I did a lot of river swimming and a bunch of hippie activities up there, <laughs> naturally. Uh, okay, man. Well, listen, here's the deal. I want to go into some deep space here today in terms of the brain, mental performance, focus, memory, creativity. I've yet to do an episode that's solely dedicated to nootropics and smart drugs and how to really optimize your brain. This is something I've been working on myself a lot personally. 
largely due to the fact that early in life, I did a lot of damage to my brain in various ways. Many of it pharmacological. <laughs> Is that the word? Yeah. Pharmacological. <laughs> pharmacological. Yeah. Okay. See, that's exactly, that's a perfect <laughs> example of why not to do copious amounts of LSD when you're 14. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, just briefly, though, give us a little bit of your background. I'll, of course, read your bio and all that. But, you know, what's your area of expertise? How did you get involved in this neurohacking and, uh, you know, personal development performance stuff in the first place? That's, it's, I'll, I'll try to make it as short as possible because... Uh, yeah, like, how do you summarize a 40-year career? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, I went into... Um, undergraduate school and I was a neuroscience major and I was actually planning on becoming a neurosurgeon. Got into medical school, became a little bit disenchanted with the whole uh, medical process, you know, the disease model and the treating disease and not really being about optimizing human function. Still focused on neurosurgery and I, I actually had matched a position in neurosurgery at Iowa, but I backed out at the last minute because it just didn't resonate well with me. And I went into general surgery, became a uh, gastric bypass surgeon, uh, did about 3,000 gastric bypasses. Wow. Um, oh, my God. You've seen a lot of guts. Yeah, quite a bit. And uh, after 10 years of doing that, though, and it, during that time, I kind of doing surgery was closest to where I could get to where I thought medicine should be as far as, you know, intervening, creating a better quality of life. And then during the process, around 2005, I kind of discovered age management medicine, which was about really optimizing the human performance uh, from a very narrow perspective. And I started expanding on that myself in my practice and decided to step away from surgery because it wasn't really my mission and vision for sure. And just walked away from it one day in 2009 and never went back. And went full force into optimizing human potential. And with that, uh, I realized that a systems-based approach was what was needed. So I really focused my attention on a whole different model of medicine because the, the problem is the sick care system is so, I don't want to say it's flawed because it's, it's appropriate in the appropriate circumstances. When, when you have a an ill person that, that needs an intervention. It's, it's pretty awesome there. But for generally healthy people or people looking to be better, uh, it the system kind of fails them. And so... Got that I, right, for sure. <laughs> Preaching to the choir so I, here. Go on. Yeah, I created the model of human potential medicine. And uh, it focuses on really optimizing all these functions. And, and part of that is the brain. And I did, a, I did a course on Udemy, a physician's guide to nootropics a couple of years ago. And um, it kind of caught the radar of some people. And I interviewed Daniel Schmachtenberger, co-founder of uh, Neurohacker Collective, on my podcast. And uh, a couple months later, he called me back and he said, you're one of the few physicians that truly understands nootropics. I'd love to have you on board. And, and it was just something I couldn't pass up. It was a great opportunity. It's a great company. And, um, and that's where we are today. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you. That's actually a really good summary. Yeah, I always say if I get hit by a car, please take me to the hospital and have someone patch me back together. But if I have headaches or gas or any other like yeah. random human problem, I'm not going to a conventional allopathic doctor. That would be like the very last step when I'm on my deathbed or something. So I, I appreciate that whole, that whole approach. So 
Let's dive right into some deep water then, because I, I know we have a limited amount of time with you. I value your time and that of the listeners, and I want to just like cover some hardcore stuff here. And I am like 100% a bona fide, unabashed fan of Qualia, the, you know, the flagship product that Neurohacker Collective makes, and just the whole, like you said, the whole company and the brand, the vision. I'm just fully into it. My interactions with you guys have been great so far, which is why I really wanted to have you on. It's just like... I have a feeling that it's going to be it's going to become a household name in in the biohacking and health communities and anti-aging and all that stuff so I'm super stoked to talk to a person that really knows their shit here. So, how do you define the mind versus the brain? <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. There goes an hour and a half podcast right there. Yeah, really. I mean, that's uh you get into philosophies here. Uh It's okay. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, from zooming out in a very broad sense because I have my own interpretation of those things. It's sort of I'll give you mine, okay? Maybe that maybe that'll help frame it and see okay. if you agree or disagree. To me, the brain is more like a radio receiver and the mind is sort of this universal transmitter that is transmitting data to all of the brains, right? And so it's like, I work on optimizing my brain, but that's more of a physiological thing. Whereas the mind is more my thought patterns and the programming that goes into the brain. To me, the brain's like, I guess, yeah, the best way to say to my interpretation is, is kind of a receiver. Would you agree or would you contextualize it in a similar way or do you have a different take on it? I do. I, you know, and let's put it this way. I don't, I don't feel like consciousness is part of the biology. I think it's separate from the biology. And I, I look at the carbon-based system of the human being as the vehicle to interact and express that consciousness and experience that consciousness. And so I do see that the brain itself is the biologic piece, but it's also integrated well with the mind aspect of it. So, you know, we have the mind, the consciousness, and just like driving a car, if you were locked in a car and couldn't get out of the car, and the only way you could interact with other people is through that vehicle of the car. I mean, you can flash your lights, honk your horns, hit the windshield wipers. You know, you're limited, even though you inside that car have a whole different potential but you can't express that you can't experience it necessarily without that vehicle and that vehicle is is the body so you can and a lot of people will focus on optimizing just that consciousness piece and neglect the body piece i, I see a lot of these these people that are about expanding consciousness and everything and they're some of the unhealthiest physical beings i've ever seen <laughs> like uh, the space and, the spaced out new age vegans that are like living on glucose and <laughs> right <laughs> no offense um, to vegans i'm just saying you know they're i know in my vegetarian past i was like so neurotic when i wasn't getting enough healthy fats <laughs> in my system just as a you know ground level uh, entry point so carry on yeah so you know i think that there needs to be a focus on optimizing that vehicle i mean do you want to supercharge that car or do you want to be driving a ferrari or do you want to be driving a kia not to offend anybody that drives a kia especially here in Asheville. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's either that or a uh, one of those, the Foresters. Uh, everybody has one of those, those Subaru Foresters. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So, um, but that's the whole idea. I mean, I'm about enhancing what we are. And we have all these tools, these great tools, but they're relegated to disease model. And in human potential medicine, we look at it and say, you know, how can we be smarter? How can we be stronger? How can we be leaner? Um 
all of this is within the realms of, of neurohacking and biohacking in general. Awesome. I, I totally am on board with that. There's, I think what I was getting at is that I, I too sort of have a view that the body is the car that carries your soul or your spirit or your consciousness around. And this to me has been proven subjectively, not by something I read in a book or going to see a guru, but just I've had out of body experiences or just, I mean, I constantly have these hits of intuition that border on being telepathic. I mean, it's just like, I'm just used to it now. I don't even go, oh my God, wow. I was just thinking of that person. And then they called me. I mean, it's just kind of like nonstop. I was at a, a party the other night and I met this guy. He was a graphic designer. He didn't tell me anything about his work. He just said, yeah, I do graphic design. I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, I hire graphic designers. Let's keep talking. Maybe there's some synergy there. And he said, well, man, you know, I, I, I work in more of the corporate field. I'd love to do some more creative stuff. I'm, I'm working toward doing that. But right now my work is very much based in advertising. And I said, just immediately, just right away, I said, oh, what do you like designing snipper, Snickers wrappers or something? And he looks at me, he goes, Dude, what? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I work for Mars. That's my job, you know? And it was just, he was like tripping. I go, ah, yeah, that's just, you know, 20 years of meditation will do that to you. But in other words, that wasn't my brain that was able to tap into some other realm of information, right? That, that information exists that this guy works for Mars and designs Snickers wrappers. Why of all words that would come out of my mouth just instantaneously, would it be the exact company he works for and what he does for a job? It's not like yeah. I have some special ability. It's just the brain, I think if you give it the proper, as you said, the proper uh, nutrition and the proper setting, you optimize the physiology, the brain really has the ability to tap into that universal mind and consciousness, which is just so fun and fascinating to me. Well, and you look at different things that people can accomplish. I mean, you know, you have these uh, people with autistic spectrum that can memorize things that are unreal. I mean, they're using a brain. They're using the same physiologic organ that, w that we use. Why are they able to tap into that and we can't? Uh, you look at people that can lift a, deadlift a 4,000-pound car off a child that's trapped and you say, well, that's, that's impossible. It can't be done. And yet it happens. We look at people with end-stage cancer that all of a sudden are cured. You know, I don't see these as miracles. I see these as we've tapped into something in the collective, in the consciousness, in the, in the biology that gives us that potential. That potential's always been there. Just how do we tap into that? Right. Awesome, man. All right. Well, let's talk about how we do that. So, Going right into the nootropic and smart drug piece, what is, because a lot of my listeners are, are really new to the biohacking stuff. I mean, I get messages on Instagram and stuff and they're like, what's a medicinal mushroom? I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's there's so much to do. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to, uh, to share with people. It's exciting. I'm sure some listeners are already, you know, seasoned biohackers, but for someone who doesn't know what the hell I'm even talking about, what is a nootropic and what's the difference between that and a smart drug? Well, that's, that's also one of those definitions that, that vary across the board. I mean, nootropics are more neurochemicals, uh, herbals that are designed in some way to enhance cognitive function. And some people classify some of the smart drugs in the category of nootropics as well. And, and, and I tend to group those as well. I think, you know, the end goal is the same and we're looking at some input. So the input is the nootropic that's designed to enhance an outcome that is desired. So it doesn't matter if it's a pharmaceutical or a mushroom or, or what it is, we're putting an input into the system 
to get a certain output. So, you know, I have all of these people that really focus on natural versus synthetic, and, and I don't look at things that way. I look at, we are a system and we have inputs and we have outputs. And those inputs, if they match the output without the side effects that, that are undesirable, then it's, it's a positive, positive thing for the system. So it's more of a, that approach of looking, looking at ourselves as a system. And, you know, some people have argued that, well, you know, the more natural products have been tested over evolutionary bounds and things like that. But you also have to remember that we are not, from an epigenetic standpoint, the same organism we were 12,000 years ago. We've had adaptations to changing environments and everything like that, that makes it so that as we adapt and thrive, we develop these adaptations to, to really thrive in the new environments that we're experiencing. Oh, dude. All right. That, this is good that <laughs> you just sparked like a million thoughts in my head. Um, my whole ever, I have my, you can't see, but I have my Evernote, you know, notes that are very detailed, which I always have there as a guide, but then one sentence can take me off on an hour and a half tangent <laughs> with a guest. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Okay. Here's, here's my thing. So you're, you're saying, let's just generalize the term nootropic and just say whether it's synthetic or comes from a plant, you know, somewhere down the line, let's just call those things that are cognitive enhancing compounds right essentially yeah whereas some uh -huh. some people will break them up oh a nootropic is only herbs and mushrooms and things like that and a smart drug is a, synthet a synthetic that's manufactured in a lab somewhere in the backwoods of china right? right so i'm cool with that that framework so far the thing that just sparked my interest was i have so many people that are like terrified of taking a smart drug say like one of the racetams or modafinil for example and they'll like even clients and friends and they'll grill me about you know the supposed dangers and meanwhile there's like no records of anyone ever being injured and they're so paranoid of trying something like that but they'll go to like rite aid or cvs and buy advil or tylenol or any number of different you know over-the-counter pharmaceuticals, essentially. And if you read the side effects of any of those things from cough syrups to laxatives to PMS medication, I mean, any of the shit you find at the drugstore, and the side effects are like, may cause suicidal thoughts, rectal bleeding, you know, I mean, it's just like, the, the, the stuff that we're used to taking because we've been indoctrinated by advertising from big pharma is so much more dangerous and potentially detrimental than than any smart drug i've ever heard of what's your take on that because you mentioned like well we don't we don't live in the natural world anymore so if your thing is like oh i get all my vitamins from food and all the nootropics from just ayurvedic herbs or chinese herbs it's like yeah well that might have worked ten thousand years ago but i'm surrounded by emfs and i go in airplanes and we live in a completely artificial world that's disconnected from nature. So my approach is like, you got to attack this shit with something unnatural to really move the needle. What's your take on that? Well, I, I think people get into a cognitive bias with all of that. I mean, they, they really promote being natural and everything, but they're, they're riding in airplanes and cars instead of riding horses. They're using some form of artificial light rather than using candles or, or fire or something like that. So, I think it's a cognitive bias that you get, and it's kind of a collective consciousness too. I mean, you think about during the time of, of Columbus, prior to him sailing to the Americas, world exploration was almost at a standstill because we thought that the world, the collective, was that the world was flat. There was a group of people that <laughs> a lot of didn't people agree. on a lot of people on Twitter still think that. I've, I've they still think it, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, he made the trip and he came back and. 
the collective changed at that point. Um, it's like uh, Roger Bannister running the four-minute mile. It was impossible physiologically for a human being to run the four-minute mile. That was the thought. He ran it. Next thing you know, within the next two years, 20 people ran a four-minute mile. So it's more of just changing that collective of what's what's good, what's bad. Um, you know, Nietzsche talked about the revolutions of, you know, being being holy is good and um, prior to that being obese and and royalty was good so the definitions change based on the collective and i think what we're looking at here is that we have such faith in the in the medical systems and the regulatory agencies that we accept it without question rather than looking at what makes sense i mean when i started in surgery we were it, we were basically removing the entire chest for breast cancer when I was in residency and during residency, we suddenly discovered, wow, we could like take out the lump and take out a little lymph node and not maim this person for the rest of their life. And so why were we doing it that way? Because that's the way it's always been done. Nobody ever really questioned it and nobody wanted to take the chance on doing something that was outside of the standard of care. So I think it's more of just, we have to have those pioneers that go out there and, and kind of lead the way and, and lead the change and shifting that consciousness in little pieces. Yeah, cool, I love that, man. Um, before we dig into, I wanna get into some specific compounds and just the different mental components of performance, but before I forget, because I really don't wanna forget this, what's your take on modafinil? I've interviewed a lot of people and asked them that, like uh, Dr. Andrew Hill, who's the guy that, he's been on my show and I get, neurofeedback at his place peak brain la and he's like very anti-modafinil he took it and had some horrible reaction and thinks it's quite dangerous i myself have taken it for i don't know probably three years off and on if i'm really tired or if i'm going to go travel on a plane or if i just know i need to just focus one day and record five podcasts i think it's like the god's gift to the brain like when it's needed for myself do you have any opinion on that particular compound and the possible side effects or dangers or any of that yeah you know i have some people on modafinil i i think in certain groups it, it works really well i mean it, it, depending on the outcome you're trying to achieve and depending on the reaction that the person has to it um you know, I used to do all this weight loss stuff and I stepped away from it because I said nothing works. No, there is no perfect human diet. There uh, is not a perfect surgery that creates this outcome. And what I realized when I started getting into more genetic based data um, back in 2007 is over time, I got back into weight loss because I realized there is a perfect human diet, but it's the individual's perfect diet. It's not a perfect diet for the human collective. It is, all of our genes are a migration of all these different regions. So we've adapted to different regions, different dietary patterns, different medicines that help support the environment that we came from, but now we're in a new environment. So we have to adjust the environment to accommodate that. So we adjust our dietary pattern to eat less saturated fat for certain people with a, an APOE4. We, we look at things like lactose tolerance. You know, we migrated to Europe and those people tend to have tolerance of lactose. But we have to adjust our environment to, to really help to accommodate the genes that we've been dealt over time. I mean, genes are certainly not our destiny. We have that epigenetic aspect, but there's certain pieces of it that we can really optimize our outcomes by matching 
what we're kind of programmed and environmentally supposed to be doing. This happens the same with, with nootropics, I find all the time. I mean, some people can't tolerate acetylcholine. Some people don't do well with Adderall. Some people don't do well with uh, modafinil. Some people have very negative reactions to racetams, whereas you have other people that have really outstanding results. And I think it comes down to really understanding that we're all individual. And that's, you know, that's what neurohacking is about, biohacking in general. It's that N equals one. And I think that's where we're going. We've got all these quantified self devices now, these wearables where we can actually track objectively what we're experiencing. I mean, if you want to know, you know, is this supplement helping my sleep and stress, you monitor HRV and your sleep patterns over a 30 day period while you're taking it. You don't have to go subjective and say, yeah, I think I'm sleeping better or my stress level's lower. You can actually start looking at HRV. You can start looking at your, your sleep patterns with these wearables. So, you know, we've got some great bioinformatics out there now. And these biohackers and the neurohackers, I mean, they're really going after this. And, and this is the next phase, this next evolution of the human being is getting into these N equals one and, and really finding out what works and what doesn't. Yeah, you're so right. I found that working with friends and clients in terms of a nootropic specifically, I'm always shocked at the completely different reactions that people have. Speaking of modafinil, and I have one more question about that too, but I've given that to people and I say, hey, just really go easy. Like I never take more than a quarter of a, I think it's a 200 milligram tablet. I mean, and even I'll do usually an eighth, I'll take a quarter and then break that in half. Cause it's just, it's too stimulating. Like I don't need that much help. You know what I mean? But I've given it to friends. I say, okay, take a quarter and they don't feel anything. Then they take a half, then they take a whole one and they're like, nah, I didn't notice it. And then other people have taken a half and they're like, man, I felt great. But the next day I was suicidal. You know, I'm just like, it's just so weird how they do affect people differently. Even the racetams like paracetam. I literally take it by the tablespoon in water. If I do public speaking, I'll have a bottle of water. I'll put a heaping tablespoon of Prastim in that and I'll sip it all day or all night. I feel amazing. My memory recall is insane. I mean, it's, it's my word recall, um, my just general acuity, verbal acuity. It's just so noticeably enhanced by that. But I've given it to other people and they either don't feel it or they feel super wired or whatever. It's just, it's so bizarre. I, you know, I guess you just have to experiment, like you said, and self-quantify to determine what works for you and what doesn't. Back to modafinil, do you have, and I don't know that you know the answer to this, but do you know the mechanism by which it operates? I know that it's, from what I understand, um, was put on the market for narcolepsy. And, you know, even the brand that I use is called Mode Alert. I get it from India. It's, it's in uh, the store on my website, actually. Um, and so it's meant to make you alert, which God damn it, it does. I mean, if you have a long, like I use it on long drives. I just drove up to Tahoe and it's like, I didn't even notice. I was like, oh, I'm here. Wow. It's just like, it puts you in this, you know, hyperspace, but I really don't know the mechanism by which it, it, it functions in the brain. Do you happen to? Well, they're not fully into, there's a lot of theories on what's actually happening and they, they don't have an exact mechanism for modafinil right now. Uh, one thing that I do notice in, in, the research is that there seems to be this, you know, things like Adderall and some of the more amphetamine derived medications, they tend to activate everything in the brain simultaneously. So they kind of turn everything up. And so that's why some people have very negative experiences with them and some people have very positive. But the, the modafinil seems to kind of sit in the background and wait to see what you want to use. 
So are you focused on being alert? Uh, then it kind of upregulates that that level there. Or you want to concentrate and and really uh, get something done it tends to upregulate that without having to upregulate everything at once. That's just the the experience that I've had with it, and what I've read in the research is is very similar to that, especially in some of the QEG studies that have been done on it. We haven't actually done any QEGs on people with with that. Uh, we've done QEGs on people with qualia and uh, and found some very good results with that. And it'd be interesting to kind of compare that with those. The the problem is, you know, we're dealing with a, a scheduled drug, um, which is the modafinil. And, um, you know, when it gets into the racetams and things like that, I mean, they're research chemicals. So from a medical standpoint, I have to say, I can't recommend people using them because they're, they're research chemicals. They're not approved for human, <laughs> human use. Yeah, I mean, no, one, no one's funding studies. Uh, I, the, the weird thing about modafinil to me that I just, I find so fascinating is that it's stimulating in a way, like you said. I like how you said it's sort of, it's a self-directed compound where your intention sort of dictates your experience to a degree. I, I, would, I would agree with that. What's strange about it is that it's it's invented for narcolepsy. It definitely will keep you awake if you want to stay awake. But I also <laughs> take it and get on a plane and fall asleep for four hours. Like, it's not an amphetamine. I mean, I've taken copious amounts of crystal meth. I've smoked crack. Like, I have a really sordid <laughs> past and a lot of experience with illicit drugs that, like, are very dangerous and toxic. And I would not recommend to my worst enemy. Hitler could be reincarnated. I would not suggest that he tries crystal meth. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> but you're not sleeping for 48 hours on that. I mean, I've never tried Adderall, but I've seen people on it, and it's very reminiscent of someone on crystal meth. Like the big pupils, like psychosis, acting really weird, overly talkative, taking radios apart, never putting them back together, that kind of thing. But I'm halfway joking, but not really. <laughs> but with modafinil, I mean, I'll take it and then forget that I took it and I'll be, I'll meditate for 30 minutes and I'll have this beautifully relaxed, transcendent experience and then wake up and be like, okay, let me answer 40 emails in five minutes. It's just like, it's a really weird uh, compound. The other thing that's strange about it to me is that I've proven to myself that it's non-addictive. And I know that because I'm extremely prone to addiction. Like it took me... 15 years to quit smoking cigarettes. I mean, I've been addicted to opiates. I've been addicted to cocaine, to alcohol, just about any substance you can get addicted to. I've been a daily user and really worked. I'm 20 years, almost 21 years sober now, thank God. But I've really struggled with addiction in my life. It's just, it's it was a struggle for, you know, my whole adolescence. And so I know that there's certain things that I can't touch or I sort of awaken the sleeping giant so to speak and i just it's just non-negotiable i 100 percent will not have a glass of wine because i've already tried that for 15 years of like oh let me just have one and then you know i end up in handcuffs with modafinil <laughs> with modafinil i actually will forget about it for weeks and i'm not a guy that forgets about something that changes your consciousness if i find something that gets you high I start doing it every day and that's all I think about and it starts controlling my entire life. So that's what's weird with modafinil. I've never heard of anyone becoming addicted to it, even though it has a very noticeable impact on your mind. I, you know, the one thing I do find with modafinil though is there's not much euphoria associated with it. It's a get shit done kind of thing. Um, it's one of those ones that you take when you've got, you've got something you want to really focus on and get out of the way. Uh, it's actually banned by WADA for sports performance even. Um, so 
Is it, it really? A, oh yeah, it's a very focused uh, drug. Yeah, and and you know I I have. I know one physician that she has to take 200 milligrams just to get an effect with it, <laughs> wow. but, but she, but she likes it yeah. and then she, she can't sleep. So she's got to take something to help her sleep at night. Cause so one thing I find with modafinil is that man, if you don't take it before like six in the morning, you're going to be up until about 2 AM. But even though you get like a short sleep that night, you wake up the next day and you feel like you've slept a full course. It, it's kind of a strange drug the way it works and uh and i have not seen any addiction with it i mean and i think it's because it doesn't really provide a euphoria people are taking it for very directed uses in most cases that's true that's true yeah i i agree it's not like oh my god i feel tingly and i mean you can get higher from holotropic breathing than you can modafinil for sure so that's interesting okay so I want to start digging into some other stuff here then. And thank you for, um, you know, giving me your feedback on that. Cause that particular compound is just fascinating to me. And there's just, I don't know, there's, I think there's so much benefit to be had there for specific purposes, like you said. So we've got a few different areas of performance. We have positive cognition, right? So focus, attention, concentration, computation, processing speed, analysis, synthesis, and creativity. So that's all brain stuff, right? Then you have sort of the negative cognitive, which would be brain fogged. The opposite of that, essentially brain fog, distraction, inability to focus. What are some things that help with the positive cognition? And what are some things that encourage negative effects on your cognition? Well, I kind of take a, a little bit different approach because what my understanding of what the work I've done with clients and, and the research on the brain is that the brain strives for homeostasis. You know, we can kick it out of homeostasis and it's usually from some lifestyle aspect or could be in our genetics or something like that. But there's something that is driving it outside of that homeostatic state. And when we try to focus on one outcome, one, you know, if you say, I want to learn faster. Yeah, we we saw this with the with the DARPA research on the snipers, where they put the the transcranial electrical stimulation on them, and they accelerated their learning rapidly over the people that didn't have that. But what they found is a compensatory loss of automaticity of those functions. So the brain will, if you're trying to enhance something, you're going to sacrifice in other areas. And I found this with just about everything that we do to try to enhance some aspect of the brain that, that it will drive itself to that homeostatic state. So what I really like, the approach I really like is to boost intelligence. Don't, don't go for boosting one specific category of cognitive function. Boost the brain. Focus on the brain as a full system. And how do you do that? So what, what steps do you take to get there? And the steps are, okay, well, I want to provide all the micronutrients. I want to provide adequate blood flow. I want to provide adequate anti-inflammatories because if we upregulate some metabolic process like we do with Adderall or, uh, or Modafinil, we need to be able to mitigate that, that inflammation that's going to be created by increased metabolism. We also need to be able to clear the metabolic byproducts. So if you're taking something that's really boosting like the, the firing of the neurons in the brain and you deplete acetylcholine, well, if you're not feeding acetylcholine into the system, 
because you don't have adequate blood flow to the brain or because you don't have adequate micronutrient cofactors that are going into that, or you don't have enough acetylcholine, you know, you're choline deficient, then you're upregulating these processes and the brain burns out and it's not able to sustain that. But what we find is when we provide all of this kind of full systems approach to upregulation of intelligence, we find a settling out of the brainwave patterns. So we see this on QEEG where, you know, somebody may be ADD and they've got all this frontal alpha activity and they've got normal beta in, the, in, in other areas of the brain and you bring them into homeostasis and the alpha comes down without affecting the beta. And yet the same ingredients can take somebody with high beta, bring them down to average or let's say low beta and it brings them up without affecting the alpha in the frontal. So, you know, the, the whole idea is to really focus on, on a homeostasis pattern rather than trying to specifically enhance one state. Because when that brain is working together, when it's firing on all cylinders with this stuff, you can really achieve some amazing outcomes with it. Awesome. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I guess some of us really like to... Um compartmentalize the different aspects like okay now i want to be in a creative flow state then i want to be able to control being hyper focused and you know the the yeah. the high performing people that are after these sort of results tend to i think segregate them rather than just saying hey how do we just get overall health into our brain and i like how you frame that as just like let's increase intelligence because does not intelligence include all of those aspects of performance whether it be the emotional creative side, you know, the left and right hemispheres, I guess you could say in like a broad sense, right? Yeah, right. Cool. Okay. I love that approach. All right. Awesome. So, you know, I struggle sometimes when I talk to someone that is associated with a company such as you, you, you know, you have a couple different things going on, one of them being Neurohacker Collective. And I never want to seem like a shill for a brand or, you know, that I'm doing like an infomercial. But when I find shit that works, I like to find the people that are behind it and that can really speak on it. And I've experimented with all sorts of different compounds and nootropics and smart drugs. And I don't want to like name check them because I think I found something that's the best so far for me, which is qualia. So I'm not going to like put other things down, but there's a lot of stuff on the market that I've been into for, I don't know, the past four or five years. And I've seen effects from it, but from the first like three days that I started on the qualia regimen, the two different bottles, um, I just like my brain just lit up just on fire, like absolutely quantifiable results. So I'm I'm really curious as to how that particular product came to be. And then I'd like to dissect some of the ingredients and just talk about, you know, what their general benefits are, because I noticed that I recognize most of the things in Qualia. And in order to get those compounds, I would have to take like five other products to kind of stack those up. So mm. how would you describe uh, qualia just generally to start with? Like, what's it all about? Well, I think it'd be a good idea to, for me to tell you how I actually got involved with them. Oh, cool. Um, okay, let's do so, that. So I was, uh, you know, I was, I'm just running my concierge medical practice. I have that going. It's about human performance. And part of that is that we do a lot of cognitive enhancement. We use a lot of supplements for cognitive enhancement over time. And we've tried them all. You know, we've tried all these ones that are marketed, you know, these over-the-counter supplement enhancements that we get, We would get about 50-50. So 50% of the people would say, hey, I had a very positive response. 50% of the people would say I either had no response or a negative response. 
And then one day last year, uh, one of my clients called me and said, hey, I found this stuff called uh, Qualia and it looks pretty awesome. And I said, well, send me the information on it. So they sent me the information on it. And about six months earlier, I'd been trying to get a, a, a nootropic powder put together and it had 14 different ingredients and all 14 of them were in the, the Qualia. Um, I had to bail on it because nobody could flavor it. I didn't want to take a bunch of pills and uh, I wanted it to be a powder that we could just mix with, with a drink and, and drink it. Uh, number one flavor house in the country rejected me. They sent my money back. They said, we've never been able to not flavor something, but this is it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so I gave up on that. And then I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, this is just about everything in it. Because I had taken that approach of looking at you know, the whole system. You know, we got to boost blood flow. We've got to boost precursors, all of this. And so I was fascinated by it. So I started, and even before I took it, I actually recommended it to some of my clients. And I was getting about 95% positive approval of it. I mean, these people, you know, I'd gone from 50-50 to a 95%. And I thought, this is really bizarre. So I called the company. I called Neurohacker. And I said, I want to talk to the person who's responsible for developing this and interview them on my show. And so I got on the, uh, the podcast with Daniel Schmachtenberger. We spent five minutes talking about qualia and the other 45 minutes talking about systems approaches of, to health and all of this. So I found somebody who was like-minded like me and, and we had great conversations. And, and then about three months or no, about a month later, he calls me up and he said, you know, we're looking for a medical director and, you know, your experience with creating the nootropics course and your background in this really like to have you on board. And, and I really didn't have much time at that point. I had other things going on, but because the company was just so amazing, I said, you know, this is an opportunity I don't want to pass up. So, so I signed on board with them. And I mean, the whole, the more I get into the company, the more I understand that philosophically, they're just an amazing company. I mean, they're, they're a conscious business for sure. And their approach to creating the nootropic, I mean, they spent three years researching the interactions of every one of these. I mean, you know, I'll call Daniel up and I'll say, you know, uh, how many research articles do you have on this one? He's got like 180 research articles on each one of them and he knows it down deep and how they interact with each other. So every one of the 42 ingredients, we know how it interacts with every one of the other ingredients, which is something you just, you don't see. I mean, most nootropics, they would say, hey, this shit works for, for memory. Let's throw that in. And this one, there's studies that show that it works really well for attention. Let's throw that in there. And you get this, this mix of stuff that makes no sense. And, and, you know, that's the way we all were, you know, we, you know, when we're going to the gym and we're bodybuilding, we just say, hey, I want to take uh, this supplement because it's been shown to increase muscle mass. Well, we don't look at how it interacts with other things or the mechanism by which it's actually working. So Neurohacker had taken that whole concept, that whole systems-based approach and put it together in a way that just blew me away. And I see the effectiveness of it in the clinical practice, which is just amazing. Yeah, cool. Well said. Yeah, I think that that's something that a lot of companies do miss. It's like, you know, they take five things that are good for you and throw them together without ever really considering like, well, do they even even if it's not harmful, do they cancel each other out? You know, right. or just you put two things together. That's why I always tell people like to filter their sh their shower water, you know, it's like, 
Well, well, tap water safe. The city told me it's safe. I go, yeah, but they're not testing when it turns into a gas and you're <laughs> mixing those 4,000 chemicals in the tap water, then turning them into a hot gas that you're inhaling for 20 minutes every morning, you know? So there, there is a lot to be said about when you start combining these different things um, to the point of, you know, not only being ineffective, but maybe not serving you. So, Well, the, the other thing yeah. uh, that, that you have to pay attention to as well is, and they're really good about this. Neurohacker is really good. They have the Neurohacker guide, which you can download when you go to their website. But they talk about the lifestyle components. So they're talking about the importance of sleep, the importance of community, the importance of air filters, uh, all of this. This is neurohacking. And it's not about just taking some input and putting it into the system. It's about living this whole lifestyle and creating a whole uh, biosphere that is conducive for positive outcomes. Well, you just, yeah, you just described the purpose of this show is like talking to experts like you and piecing together the different elements of a lifestyle from meditation and, you know, uh, shamanic breathing to ice baths to cryotherapy to saunas to psychotherapy and uh, psychology and self-help and personal development and the physical because you're so right. And I think that's why I resonate with um, the Neurohacker Neurohacker Collective too, is that it's not just like, oh, here, buy this pill and it's going to fix you. It's like, no vitamin or supplement is going to do shit if you're not sleeping and if you're drinking crappy water and you have no intimate loving relationships in your life and you still resent your parents and you know what I mean? It's like there's <laughs> yeah. there's it's got to be a systems approach or it just simply doesn't work. You, you can't right. isolate one particular component of your lifestyle. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. And uh, it literally is the purpose of this show is to piece people like you together so maybe someone has their spiritual life totally dialed in but their cognition's a bit foggy because they used aspartame and msg for 25 years and now they have a clean diet but they're still having the mental repercussions of that toxicity you know so something like they just need to add in something like qualia like boom turns the neurons on and they're good to go we're all sort of like always finding that balance i guess in terms of some of the compounds, I'd like to go into just a few of those and touch on them lightly because, as you said, I think like every single thing I could personally think of that would improve mental performance is in qualia. The first one being there are a couple, if not a few different racetams. Well, there's there's really only the the Nupept is really the only... Nupept, um, okay. Yeah. And... Is that you know, officially got, a racetam? Because I'm really, I like, I've gone no, through, okay. It's no, not, it's, okay. it's not. It's a peptide. Ah, and, okay. I mean, there's nootropic compounds that are in the whole nootropic category, I guess, of the neurochemicals. Uh, you know, you've got huperzine A, you've got venpocetine, uh, theobromine, those kind of things in there that are considered nootropics. But all of these also interact with other things. So they may be increasing blood flow. They may be functioning as adaptogens. So most of the products have multiple mechanisms of action, let's say. But the new pept is really the only one that's in there that is really a peptide, not really a racetam, but it's it's considered a, uh, a nootropic compound, I guess. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Got that. And then I noticed there's something in there called PQQ, which I could never pronounce the, the long form of that. But that's something that I get in a product from Bulletproof called Unfair Advantage. And they're these little ampules of this sort of syrup that's got CoQ, a little CoQ10 and a pretty decent 
dose of this active PQQ. And that, like, to me, was one of those ones immediately. I was like, whoa, shit, I actually feel this, like, mental and physical energy. What's up with PQQ? Do you know anything about that? Uh, it works through different mechanisms. I mean, you know, one of the mechanisms uh, is it's really kind of an antioxidant in a sense. So it's working through antioxidant mechanisms. Uh, you've got neuroprotection, you've got nerve growth factor synthesis. It actually will regulate the NMDA glutamate receptor. So an activating neurotransmitter is modifying the receptor activity in that regard. So there are different mechanisms of action. How is it actually working? We don't we don't know that. So we're again looking at this from a um, from an overall uh, uh, you know 30,000 foot view looking down and saying okay this is interacting well with this this is creating this kind of response. And you know I can't tell you that we know exactly what each of these products is doing by itself. Right. Um, and in fact, I can't imagine one product working by itself. I mean, all of these products interact with each other. And, and I don't think that each of these products could be broken down into saying, oh, this is the one that's, that's creating this outcome. I mean, BioPQQ, you know, a lot of the researchers are, are kind of down on it because there's not enough research behind it. But then a lot of the you know, public health community, uh, they're really supporting it. Uh, the studies on it uh, are varied, but in in general, it looks like it's a very good product overall as far as the the antioxidant effects, the NMDA receptor modifications and those kind of things. But those also work, you know, it's great that you can modify a glutamate receptor, but if you're not having adequate glutamate, it doesn't matter. Uh, so you've got to look at it from those those perspectives as well. Right, right. Okay, and then another thing that I've noticed is just if I'm taking an abundance of bioavailable B vitamins, I tend to feel really good. And I've noticed that in qualia, there's like a shit ton of B vitamins. There's like, let me see, I think I wrote it down here. There's uh, all the B6, B12, there's like all of those B vitamins that a lot of us tend to be deficient in. And even if I take like, not even a great B vitamin, I still feel it, you know? It's, it seems that that's something that the brain really needs in order to function. And when I was well, a, when I was a vegetarian, I don't think I was getting, I don't know, maybe no B vitamins or very little, and I was like practically brain dead. Not yeah, it's many, hard hard yeah. to get B vitamins uh, adequate amounts of them. I mean, Bruce Ames did a really great job with looking at this uh, micronutrient triage system in the body and the amount of deficiencies that we see in these micronutrients in the body, not only in the vitamins but also in the minerals. And even in people taking multivitamins, and, and there's certain vitamins and minerals that you can't get adequate amounts of or absorb adequate amounts of in a multivitamin, like vitamin D or choline. Even people taking multivitamins tend to be deficient. And you're talking about you know choline deficiency running like 60% of the population, which is one thing I would never want to be deficient in is choline. It's just too important. Uh, you look at B6. B6 is a very common deficiency uh, in people that don't take a multivitamin. Usually with a, a good multivitamin, you can get enough B6. The other thing is B12. I mean, B12 is one of those things that most multivitamins have cyanocobalamin. Can't be used like methylcobalamin can be used, especially on an oral intake. Those are things that are cofactors in a lot of functions in the body. I mean, hundreds of enzymatic reactions that require these cofactors in order to work. And our body has this amazing ability to triage these micronutrients and saying, okay, well, 
you know, this is really good for the stuff we need right now, but it's also really good for long-term health and, you know, DNA repair and all of this. But if we're getting low, it kind of says, well, forget about the long-term stuff. Let's focus on what we need it for right now and, and shunt it that way. And so in the background, you're getting all this DNA damage that's not, not being repaired. Um, so I'm a big fan of a multivitamin, just a low-dose multivitamin every day. And then the other uh, nutrients that you take are really good for just specific outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Now, the great thing about Qualia is it's, it's truly a multivitamin in and of itself. I mean, it's got, it's got just about everything. I, had, I got rid of so many vitamins that I was taking when I started taking Qualia. Uh, Me just, too, yeah. I mean, the choline itself, you've got CDP choline, you've got... Um, you've got GPC, alpha GPC in there. So you've got the two different forms of choline that have really two different pathways that they work through. But on top of that, they're adding in uridine, which nobody had ever added in uridine. That, that was one of the things that blew me away about, about the product is I thought that was like some secret thing that knowing that uridine upregulates the bioavailability of choline in the brain and nobody was putting it in products. And I think I found one product on the market that was a, a CDP choline with uridine added to it, but that was the only one I'd ever seen prior to Qualia. Wow. Yeah. I think uh, someone texted me yesterday, it was my brother, and um, and he said, man, I need a multivitamin. And generally people ask me that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I never find a multivitamin that has like the right type of compound like it's got the wrong b12 that's not bioavailable there's just not enough stuff and like when you do like the qualia the first bottle step one and then step two the first one is more of the you know the mental enhancement stuff and then the second one those six giant ass capsules those yellow <laughs> yeah. capsules i mean like that's a actually adequate doses as a multivitamin so i said don't don't worry about the first one if you're not trying to like really turn your brain on and get all geeky with the with the biohacking stuff, but for a multivitamin, I think like that's probably the best one I've ever seen. And you can, how I judge often too, is I, I typically don't like taking a bunch of capsules and I also am immune to crappy taste. So I actually take most of my supplements out of the capsules and make drinks out of them, which I also do with <laughs> Qualia, which I don't recommend if you're like, if you have a sensitive, uh, you know, palate, cause it's, it's super intense, but I'll put some stevia in there and you know, whatever, some, a drop of a, a, like a really strong essential oil, like peppermint, just something that overpowers the taste of all those compounds. But I can tell when I do uh, like qualia, I basically make a powder out of it and just throw it in, you know, one of my <laughs> crazy biohacker drinks. And I'm like, whoa, like it's so strong tasting. That's how I know that it works. You know, it's like I know there's real shit in there. It's not a bunch of rice powder and like excipients and stuff like that, which a lot of people don't realize. Also, I think that there are a lot of... Um, a lot of companies use things in the manufacturing process just in terms of the of the affordability and the economics of encapsulating things and there's all sorts of suspect ingredients that go into even some of the like really big brands that I think are otherwise pretty good. So that's something that I I notice too when I'm looking at different supplements is like, hmm, okay, cool. The compounds are there, but what else is in there? Most vitamins you go in the health food store, if you read the ingredients, there's magnesium stearate, there's all these excipients, all these other additives. Even like a lot of the medicinal mushrooms are like mostly the mycelium part. They're not even like the fruiting body. They're basically just like sawdust and you're paying like $40 a bottle for some mushrooms that really has very little mushroom in it. I could go on. I get frustrated with people when they waste money. Oh. You know, know what I'm talking I, about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a you know, slippery you look industry. 
everybody uses like choline bitartrate, which is like the cheapest form of choline and the least bioavailable of any of them. Um, and, you know, that's why I was so impressed by the fact that Qualia had both CDP choline and alpha GPC in it. You know, one of my favorite products is Bacopa Moneri. And I was taking Bacopa as, uh, as an individual ingredient. And when I saw, you know, Bacopa Moneri, lion's mane mushroom, mucuna, all in this product, I was just blown away. I mean, that, that was what sold me when I saw the, the Bacopa because very few people understand all the benefits that you get with Bacopa. And that was one that I put almost every one of my clients on. With those, uh, I guess that's kind of the adaptogen stack, right? Is the Macuna and uh, Macopa and all of that stuff in there, even the, the rhodiola, the lion's mane. Those are things, again, that you typically have to take five different pill bottles to get that stuff you know it's right like, it's just it is a pain in the ass kind of piecing it all together it's also difficult i'm sure you've experienced working with clients and me coaching it's like all right i have to make someone a list of like the 10 top you know adaptogens and then which company to get which one from so you don't get ripped off and it ends up being yeah. a pretty convoluted process so it's cool when you can sort of find you know really uh, carefully sourced extracts of those things that you know are all in one place and right about now, we're going to take a little break because I want to let you know that I'm giving away two tickets to the upcoming Bulletproof Biohacking Conference in Los Angeles, October 13th through 15th. That's right. I am giving away two free tickets valued at $1,000. All you have to do to win the tickets and come hang out with me is text the word Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. That is Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. Like literally just pause this right now, grab your phone, text Bulletproof Luke to 44222. Now listen though, if you're outside of the United States, we make it a little bit harder for you, unfortunately. Here's what you got to do if you do not have a USA phone. Go get one. No, I'm just kidding. Here's what you do. Go to this URL. It's a little tricky, so get ready. Listen up. The URL to enter this contest to win two tickets to the Bulletproof Conference is www.bit.ly forward slash bulletproof ticks, T-I-X. That's bit.ly slash bulletproof ticks, bit.ly forward slash bulletproof T-I-X. Or as I said, make life easy on yourself with a U.S. phone, text the word bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. And if you're the lucky winner, you're going to bring yourself and a friend. And by all means, you better come up to me and hang out because I'm going to be there running around like a maniac. I'll be easy to find. Okay, now back to this fantastic interview with Dr. Dan Stickler. There's one thing that I have experimented with, and that is lithium orotate. And I've taken that at different times. And I noticed that that was one of the ingredients on kind of the neuromineral side of qualia. And then there's yeah. a lot of uh, sort of counter information online and you never know who's trolling and who really knows their shit. But I've heard things like, oh, lithium orotate puts holes in your brain and like that it's really dangerous and all this stuff. Have you, have you looked into that particular compound at all in terms of its efficiency or risks involved? Yeah, it's interesting because that was one of the first products or one of the first ingredients I saw in there and I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. I mean, I knew a lot of people that took low-dose lithium and for health reasons, for cognitive enhancement. And I thought, you know, I just, I don't want to go there, but I realized that was my cognitive bias and what I learned in medicine. And, and I was like, oh, lithium, that's a bipolar uh, treatment. It can't be, 
can't be good for you, but it's got really great neuroprotective abilities at these low doses. And, and you really don't find many people that have negative reactions to lithium orotate. I mean, it's just a, it's a good overall kind of membrane stabilizer, uh, neuroprotective component that I looked at all the research that they had on it and it was all very positive research, very uh, minimal in the way of negative. And I can tell you they're, their white paper on this stuff, I mean, they sent that to me and it was like 187 pages long and single spaced research articles on every single one of these things. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I got, I've been through most of it, but, but overall, I mean, you know, people, before you jump on what you read on, on health websites, I mean, number one, almost every health-based website that is marketing fear is typically marketing. They're not there to provide you information. They're trying to sell something or themselves. Um, you got to look into the background on this. I mean, I see so many people, you know, is your doctor messing you up with your thyroid medication or, you know, is Lyme disease killing you? This is fear-based stuff, and it's all about, you know, you can reach people either through fear or excitement, and it's harder to reach them through excitement, so a lot of the marketers focus on fear-based marketing, and I am just not a fan of that, and and I think that the, you know, they may have good intentions, but you're just feeding that, that sick, that people attach to that illness, they attach to that, and, and we try to disconnect, I mean, in my medical practice, we don't even use diagnosis codes. I mean, somebody may say, well, I'm a diabetic. I say, no, you're not diabetic. You, you have insulin resistance relating to your lifestyle. And suddenly it becomes something that's, that can be reversed with, with lifestyle changes rather than saying, oh, I need medication and I have a disease that I'm sick with. Dude, that's, um, so, that's so good, Dan. That's like the NLP piece of health, right? I, I yeah. always resist the fact like if I find myself which is rare, thank God, but, oh, I'm getting a cold. I'm like, what is a cold? That's not even a fucking thing. It's like a yeah. made up thing. There's, it's, I, so I would say like, yeah, I'm having some issues with my breathing or, you know, I'm having a little mucus or whatever. I'll, I'll maybe like kind of identify the symptom, but I personally will never say I have this or that. Like I used to always say, oh, I have a bad back. It's like, God, I probably have a bad back. <laughs> From 20 years of telling people I have a bad back, I'm like yeah. compounding that in the subconscious mind of like, oh, I'm a person with a bad back. So I've had to really tweak my languaging too. Like, oh, sometimes I experience an uncomfortable feeling in the lower portion of my spine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's it's very long-winded at times and a bit more laborious to explain, but I really don't want to label anything. And the late, great uh, Dr. David Hawkins, who was a, a really just a brilliant psychiatrist for 50 years, you know, and became a spiritual teacher he has a book on healing and that's one of the top messages in his book he said do not label any of your symptoms as a disease don't give it a name because then you're giving it this undue power right because you're you then have this mental construct and i like what you said about it's easy for the psyche to become attached with being a sick person or i have this disease or i am a cancer survivor or this or that it's like the ego likes to kind of grab onto some sort of label and self-identify and become locked in that paradigm and i believe that there's just so much power in our thought so i appreciate that point of view uh there was one other one too that i wanted to cover um in the neuro minerals and that one 
is something that just about anyone, like vitamin D3, that if you go get tested, you're going to come up deficient in just living our modern lifestyle, and that is magnesium. And this is another one of those sort of, I don't know if it's a supplement scam, but I'm sure if you're a manufacturer of magnesium, some forms are cheaper than others. And so I go to the health food store and see a whole rack of magnesium supplements. And I, based on my research, have found that many of them are not even bioavailable and don't cross the blood-brain barrier. So you're not really deriving the benefit from that magnesium that we would have at some point gotten from our diet if you go back in evolution. But of course, the soil is depleted, so the plants that we eat aren't uptaking magnesium from the soil, et cetera. It's this cascade of deficiency. So I saw in Qualia that there's magnesium threonate, which I've heard is one of the good ones because it's able to actually, you're able to assimilate it and cross the blood-brain barrier. What's your take on magnesium deficiency and how to actually get your levels up? And are some of the the, um, versions of magnesium basically just expensive pee? Well, the magnesium itself, I mean, there's a lot of health benefits to magnesium, and it's another one of those micronutrients that are highly deficient, especially in the U.S. population. It's not something that even taking a multivitamin is going to give you adequate amounts, typically, of magnesium. Now, taking nine pills with qualia, you actually get adequate amounts of magnesium through the three and eight. But I, you know, I focus it on on two things. Um I find that most people that I test are deficient in magnesium and I also run their genetics and they tend to carry genes that, that indicate you know, a lot of urinary loss or a decreased absorption of magnesium from the gut. But I like magnesium glycinate for people with sleep issues. So I have them take wow. the magnesium glycinate at night and that way they get the glycine plus the magnesium. So they get kind of a, a double hit on that. Now the three and eight, is great for cognitive performance because it is one of the most highly absorbed forms in the brain to cross the blood-brain barrier. So you're going to really get it across. And, and you know, the idea of magnesium in, in that sense is that it's a cofactor in so many reactions that it just provides that, that substrate that, that we need to optimize these functions. And does not the magnesium help to balance out the overabundance of calcium that we that we sometimes get? I mean, just on a bioelectrical level. And, you know, I'm not a scientific guy, but I look at things in a very broad sort of nature-based common sense approach. And to me, those minerals sort of counterbalance one another. And we have an overabundance of calcium, which most people think we're deficient in, and yet we're deficient yeah. in magnesium. Is that is there some truth to that? Yeah, I don't, you know, I can't remember the last time I put anybody on calcium. Honestly, it's just not been an issue. And I see bone density go up every year with my clients. But we use a lot of vitamin D3. Uh, we use K2. Those oh, K2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fat-soluble ones. So D3, K2, vitamin A, right? Yeah, and you got to watch vitamin A because some people can't convert beta-carotene very well to, uh, to palmitic or to, into the retinal esters. So you've got to – sometimes you don't want to look at a multivitamin that's pure – beta carotene, you want kind of a mix of palmitate and, and beta carotene in the vitamin A sourcing. Well, is it? <laughs> That's the thing people think you, well, I just eat a bunch of carrot juice and you're getting like, you know, 42 grams of sugar in a fucking carrot juice and you think you're getting your, your vitamin A and the carotene, but it, I've heard that it's very difficult to actually, you know, uh, it's not bioavailable vitamin A, whereas if you eat, like I eat raw egg yolks, copious amounts of them all the time and I haven't been tested for my 
vitamin A levels, or I don't even know if there is a test for that, but I feel like I'm probably getting adequate fat-soluble vitamin A in its digestible, assimilatable form from those pastured eggs. Would you say that's a good way to just make sure you're getting it in? Well, the eggs are going to have a little bit of the uh, the retinal esters in them, whereas vegetable sources are going to have all beta carotene. And there's a there's a gene called the BCMO1 that has to do with the absorption of beta carotene, the conversion of beta carotene into the retinoic acids. Uh, that's the usable form. You know, it's great to have a bunch of beta carotene because it is that body supply, that storage that when they need it, they can the body can convert it into the retinal esters. But some people have genes that are deficient in that. Now, one of the things I have noticed is that when I take vitamins that have high doses of beta carotene, if I haven't taken a multivitamin in a while and I start taking it, I don't notice anything. But then after a couple of days, my urine gets bright orange after taking the multivitamin. That's that extra beta carotene that I no longer need the extra that starts coming out in the urine. So we're peeing off the, the unused portion of the beta carotene. Um, but you've also got to understand that the, there are people with genetics that require two forms of the beta carotene. Oh, okay. Um, ra- or two forms of the vitamin A rather than just pure beta carotene. Right. Would you advise against drinking like a 32 ounce or of carrot juice though? <laughs> Based on the sugar content or is that just me? Yeah, that's probably, you know, I don't like to drink any calories. That's, uh, yeah. that kind of goes against my philosophy. And purpose of juicing, it depends on what your purpose is. But if right. you're doing it to, to get your vitamins and nutrients, I think you can, you can do better by taking a multivitamin and eating the, the vegetables and the, and the fruits. When I first started on this journey, I was really big on fasting and juicing. Um, you know, I would do sugar-free green juices, cold press, like the whole deal. They've become very popular. This is going back, you know, 18, God, 20 years now almost. But uh, I, th- I find that the juicing, provided they're low-sugar juices, are pretty decent if you're on like a detox protocol for a period of time. But what I prefer is actually making green smoothies so that I get the fiber in there because I just feel, I don't know, just my body tells me I want to assimilate that stuff uh, more slowly. And I also want to get some fats in there, like I get avocado and just a lot of fiber and that the green vegetables become more of a meal. Whereas if I'm just pounding green juices all the time, I don't know, it's like it feels like I I get a little bit out of homeostasis. Like if, if I feel really acidic because I've been eating tons of meat or just traveling a lot, green juice is like my body's like, yes. But if I'm already kind of balanced feeling and then I'm doing a lot of those juices, it's sort of, mm, I start feeling a little bit funky. It's like a little, I don't know, it's just too unnatural. Is Would you kind of uh, subscribe to that school of thought? That there's well, a time and a place for it? We tell every one of our clients, uh, listen to your body, and, and we teach them to start listening to their body because we've gotten out of the habit of that. We, we listen to the media and not to our body. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, are you hungry? Well, if you're not hungry, don't eat. There, there's no, if your body is not telling you to eat, don't eat because it's healthy for you to eat at that time. Uh, so when we get the body into kind of an ideal homeostasis, whatever they're experiencing, they should start really getting interceptive about it and and understanding what these feelings are. I mean, when you look at professional athletes and you look at like special forces soldiers, they constantly are in this this interoceptive state where they're monitoring their function to see what their limits are and what they have left in the tank. Uh, It's one of the big differences you see between professional athletes and, and, you know, recreational athletes. They know how much reserve they have. Same with special forces soldiers. They have this introspective ability to really sense, 
yeah, I'm in the sprint, but you know, if I have to go further, I'm gonna have to drop back a little bit in order to keep going. Or, you know, I'm almost there, I've got this much left in the tank, I'm gonna really crank it out. So they have this whole ability to sense the inner melu of the body. And we try to teach people to start paying attention to that. And I mean, you can do it in, you know, kind of body scanning meditation and help to learn that process. But it's more about really starting to listen to the body. If you're liking, if you feel good about those smoothies, then they're probably doing well for you. But I also like to set up biometrics for people to test. So, you know, are we seeing an improvement in sleep patterns? Are we seeing an improvement in HRV? Are we seeing lower inflammatory markers in the blood? Is your body composition improving? You know, figure out what you need to have a measurable biometric to assess whether what you're doing and the purpose you're doing it for is achieving that outcome. Because like I said earlier, it's, we convince ourselves that these things work quick. I mean, it's a very common thing that we want to convince ourselves that we're right and we will ignore the true objective data in that regard. Well said. I really uh, appreciate the kind of holistic view that you have on all this stuff, but I do want to jump back to uh, one, one vitamin or supplement that you mentioned that I think a lot of people are still not aware of, and that's K2. What's up with vitamin K2? Well, K2 really assists with the absorption of, of vitamin D. And we get, the body can make some K2, but it makes short chain K2, and it's not very effective um, in its utilization in the body. We can get it from some of the bacteria in our gut, we can get it from uh, some of the meat sources, so more of animal sources that we get it from. But I recommend people to actually supplement K2. And you're talking about the, I think it's MK7 through 10 or the are the longer chain ones that they're finding much better health outcomes with that. In fact, it has something to do with the uh, assisting the transport of fats in the body. And they're finding that people with the ApoE4 variant that leads to higher risk for Alzheimer's disease, they're finding that um, supplementing with K2 is actually giving uh, beneficial outcomes from that standpoint. So, you know, it's got quite a bit of very positive qualities to it. And we have a lot of people that are taking just vitamin K by itself, and it just doesn't get converted into the K2 very well. Right. Yeah. I, I think uh, I first heard about it from the work of Dr. Weston Price. And this is going back yeah. into this ancestral diet. And when he went around the world and studied these indigenous people that all had perfect teeth and perfect health and didn't have any of these degenerative diseases that we have now, he found that their diets were typically rich in that particular compound. And then we kind of were missing that. So it's an interesting one. And I always want to I love getting those more obscure things on the show because that can really impact someone's health, especially if they're, you know, eating a vegetarian or vegan diet and something you can supplement. There's a, the way that I used to get K2 is from uh, this food called natto. Have you ever tried natto? It, it's got the highest amount of K2 of any natural, well, of any uh, uh, food source. Right. It, um, it also tastes yeah. and smells like feet that have been soaking in a porta potty for the past month. <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I was uh, living with a girlfriend and I was ordering this the best natto from this company in San Francisco. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll I'll remember what it is. I don't remember the name, but I researched a lot to find the non-GMO soy because it's a fermented soybean and soy is like meh. 
not a, a food that I would typically eat, but when it's fermented, you kind of make it safe. But I would crack one. We lived in this huge house. It was three levels. And I'd be up in the kitchen on the top level and I would open the little container of natto and I'd hear her sc- <laughs> five minutes later, she'd be screaming like, ew, gross, eat that outside. It was it like literally would smell like a thousand people walked into your house and took off their sweaty socks and just you know put their feet up it's it's the weirdest food but um it's definitely an acquired taste so much easier to supplement your k2 uh okay so a couple last things i wanted to cover here because i think we've really gotten some good stuff in terms of the mental performance and some of the ways that we can integrate some of these compounds which is huge however i do want to cover sleep and see if you have just you know some rapid fire tips because i i've hacked my sleep a lot especially in terms of just the sleep environment but from a supplementation standpoint, do you have any, you know, tricks up your sleeve in terms of what one might want to take? You mentioned a certain form of uh, magnesium. Is there anything else that you can use that really knock your ass out, especially for those of us living in a city that needs some extra input there? Yeah, I mean, we we actually run genetics and understand, you know, chronotypes because a lot of people just don't match their chronotype. Our lifestyle may make us want to have a particular chronotype, but if our genetics don't dictate that, then it's hard to, to do that because you get something called social jet lag, and it's it just throws your whole circadian system off. You know, we focus on light and all this, but yeah. you know, if you're the, if you're a, a delayed phase uh, sleep person, you're going to be going to bed at one or two in the morning and waking up at ten, and if you get a job that requires you to be there at eight a.m you're going to chronically have problems. And um, and so you need to kind of adjust your <laughs> I'm, lifestyle I'm laughing, to accommodate. Dude, cause you, just, you just described the struggle of the past 47 years. <laughs> I'm like, I hit my peak flow state at around 11 p.m., 12 a.m. I don't get tired until 1.30 a.m., two o'clock i'm like okay i should really go to bed here's the thing that sucks though because i do like morning sun gazing i do ice baths i do the red light therapy i do all kinds of things that sort of put me in sync with nature i i sleep grounded i have a on a grounding pad right here i do everything i can to be in sync with the lunar and solar cycles so what happens is i'm still not tired until one in the morning but i can't sleep in past like 7 30 or 8 tops eight o'clock Ooh. i'm wide awake so I really can't get a sufficient amount of sleep, which for me is like a minimum of seven hours. Optimal would be eight to eight and a half hours. That's how I really function. So would you explain what a chronotype is? Because you just described mine. It sounds like one of those, (laughs) like a cronut, like a donut, but deep fried and more delicious. What is a chronotype? (laughs) Chronotype is your biologic clock. Uh, It's basically... Some people are set to be night owls, some people morning larks, some people are in between. And typically it's hard to shift a chronotype. It's really based on the sun. And what happens is you get your melatonin released early, you get released later. Uh, it varies by the individual. But even really pushing the, you know, the epigenetics of trying to shift the expression of those genes is really hard. And so we get this social mismatch with our chronotype and it causes the social jet lag. Uh, It's a very common thing that we see because most people are morning larks, but there are a few people that are night owls. Now, some of them will tell me they're night owls, but they're up playing video games at night because that's the time when all, all the gamers are online. And so they like to think that they're night owls, but genetically speaking, they're the morning lark. And we shift them to say, okay, start going to bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night and try it for a month and you know no alarms so none of my clients i tell all my clients no alarms at all 
for setting up sleep hygiene, you pick a specific time that you're going to go to bed. So based on when you typically wake up, make sure that you've got eight hours by the time your head hits the pillow to the time you wake up. We, uh, we focus on really hygiene, lowering the temperature in the room, blackout curtains, no electronics in the room, no blue light within two hours of bed, all of those things. So we, we kind of optimize those functions. Now, if we need to move into things that can boost sleep, then we're talking about magnesium glycinate. We'll have them put lavender on their pillow or, um, I mean, lavender and chamomile essential oils work really well for shifting expression of, of those genes. Um, we'll that's, use- that's interesting because I always, I, <laughs> I dated another girl who used to have this like lavender essential oil spray and she would, I mean, it smelled really nice, but she would assist on spraying that on the pillows every night and it would like yeah. hit me in the face. It was really annoying, <laughs> but I liked the smell, but I was always like, oh, okay, I'll humor you. But I'm like, that doesn't do shit. There's no way that that like helps you sleep, but there, there is some, some data oh, yeah. there to support that. Yeah. And, uh, some people will take it and they'll, they'll, uh, They'll take shea butter and they'll mix the chamomile and the um, lavender in the shea butter and rub it on their chest so that they get that that scent releasing during the night. Um, cool. But other things like one of the research chemicals, phenobute. Phenobute works wonders for sleep. I have a lot of people that do really well with phenobute. Melatonin, uh, another one that uh, that works really well for inducing sleep. I want to I want to back you up there to the phenobute. That's like one of my top supplements i got well i don't know if you can uh-huh. classify it as a supplement i take it during the daytime um it just puts me in the best mood it's just like i'm so happy when i'm on it now that one for me i wouldn't say i've ever been risking being addicted to it because it's not that strong but it's definitely something that i'll find myself wanting to take more often because i really love the feeling but I tend to stagger that one where maybe I do it once or twice a week or I sort of save it for special occasions. Do you think there's any risk in taking Phenobit on an ongoing basis, like a daily basis or anything like that? I recommend breaks from about everything over time just because right. the body body will get into that homeostatic state and be adjusted now to say, okay, well, I really like this and this is where I am. So if you don't take it, then you're, you're going to drop out of that state. So it's just like uh, with Qualia. You know, I, I do recommend everybody do either 20 days on and 10 days off, or they do five days on and two days off. Yeah, that's so what that I do. So they can take a break from it. We need to take a break from all these things so that our body doesn't get into that, that zone of saying, now I need to adjust. So it just keeps it in that comfort zone. Is there a risk with taking melatonin in terms of your body down-regulating its own production? Say if you're giving your brain melatonin, from a pill or from some supplement, then your brain's like, okay, cool. Well, that's taken care of. We don't need to make that shit anymore and, and causing you to sort of become dependent on it. That's one thing that they have researched and they have not found to happen. Uh, taking supplemental melatonin does not inhibit your own production. It's just not uh, one of the issues. One of the major things I see is that people think, well, if I take three milligrams, now if I take six, it'll be even better. Um, and <laughs> good well, luck waking up the next morning. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, chronically taking more than, you know, three milligrams on a daily basis or a nightly basis, uh, there are some incidents of depression and daytime uh, sleepiness that occurs with that. And, you know, there's, there's enzymes, the same enzyme that breaks down caffeine breaks down melatonin. Wow. Uh, so you've got to pay attention to that as well. Cool. Awesome. 
And then uh, moving on from sleep, do you have any recommendations in terms of travel and jet lag? I, like I'm, I'm sure you, are someone that travels a lot, and I just get completely devastated by flying, and it's something I'm always working on optimizing and helping coaching clients overcome that have similar uh, experiences. Anything you might recommend there, supplement or even environmentally-wise? Yeah, I mean, some people are really prone to suffering from uh, jet lag issues, especially when they travel from east to west. Um, that seems to be the biggest impact rather than the opposite way. But some people are more sensitive to that and can take generally each time zone, depending on your genetics, you can you can take a full day for each time zone change to, to adjust. I like to really kind of hack that. And uh, so I will take something for assisting me to fall asleep either on the plane or immediately when I get there to match the time zone as close as I can. And then when I wake up in the morning, a little glass, an eight ounce glass of water with some sea salt in it uh, to kick the cortisol in. So you drink that down, activates the adrenals, kicks up cortisol. It helps to rapidly shift that bodily physiology to that new time zone if you can time it right. Awesome. That's good. Yeah, I do the, the sea salt thing just about every morning in some water. And uh, I don't know. I didn't know why exactly. I heard something about the adrenals, but I didn't know about the cortisol release. That's cool. That's good to know. I just find that it wakes me up really fast. Yeah. So cool. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything that I wanted to talk to you about today. I mean, I think we could go on and on because you're a wealth of information, but that's a really good introduction, I think, to some of the different compounds that can affect you mentally and just other lifestyle things. Is there anything that you'd like to add as general practice for someone who wants better memory, focus, creativity, flow states, all of these, you know, intelligence, overall intelligence, as you put it? Well, I think the the key is to don't look at very directed, specific things. Look at everything. You know, if you're not sleeping well, forget trying to get better focus. It's just not going to happen. You've got to get the whole body. If you're not eating healthy foods, if you're eating a lot of crap nutrition, then, you know, you can go to the gym and work out as hard as you want. You can take your steroids. You can, uh, you know, take all of these performance-enhancing supplements you're not going to get much success in the long term and your overall health is not going to be optimized. Same thing with neuroperformance. I mean, neuroperformance requires good sleep, good environmental habits, good nutritional habits, good exercise habits. Think of the body as that system that needs to be optimized rather than, you know, hey, you got a slow leak in the tire and instead of taking it in and replacing the tire, you're just filling the tire up every so often. It just doesn't work that way. I love it. Okay, so in closing, the systems approach. Think of your whole biology and whole sense of self as a system rather than trying to isolate and um, fix, you know, symptomatic issues that are coming up. Yep. Cool. Okay, love it. I'm on board with that 100%. Okay, so my final question to you, Dan, is... You've taught me so much today. You're a wealth of information. You've taught the listeners a bunch of stuff. Who have been three great teachers or teachings in your life that we might look to sort of up the food chain from you? Could be a person, a book, a philosophy, anything. You know, it's hard to isolate that down to even a, a specific, you know, I, have, I don't read books. I listen to audiobooks, and and I listen to probably 10 a month different audiobooks and I take pieces from everybody. So I, I find that I can learn something from everybody that I interact with. And and I think that's the key is to actually take those pieces and integrate it into your own philosophy of things 
rather than you know adopt someone's philosophy and, and use it as gospel. Just take it all in, see what makes sense to you, and put it together to, to create optimal outcomes. Awesome. All right. Well, you're going to be one of those pieces for our listeners then because they're putting together <laughs> every Tuesday, they're putting together a different piece of the puzzle and different areas of expertise. So thank you for your contribution. So you've awesome. got a podcast, you've got various websites. Where do you want people to go find more of you and your work? Um, you can go to appearoncenter.com. It's A-P-E-I-R-O-N center.com. And Pyron is Greek for limitless. And because we see the human potential as a, as being limitless and that's where we're all heading awesome man thank you so much so uh thanks man for being on the show this is an amazing conversation i love to geek out on this shit and i appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and experience with me and our listeners that was a lot of fun Luke. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hella smart after that episode with Dr. Dan Stickler. I'm really inspired to work on my brain, work on my brain health, mental performance, focus, memory, creativity, all that stuff. We found out we can do some of this naturally. Some of it, we need a little boost. Now, I'm about to turn 47. I'm a little long in the tooth. You know what I mean? So I need all the help I can get. So I loved being able to really dive in and ask the questions that are meaningful to me because I'm selfish and it's my show and I can ask whatever I want. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Hopefully you really enjoyed that. Uh, As I said, don't forget the guys over at neurohacker.com have been so kind to offer you all uh, a 10% discount if you go over to check out Qualia. You can use the code Luke over there and uh, save yourself a couple bucks. Check it out. If you feel like your brain needs some work, I don't know, man. It's working for me. I'm a couple months deep in that, and uh, I'm digging it. I mean, I take all kinds of stuff, so who knows? But it seems to be working out for me just fine. Okay, so that's that. Uh, I also want to remind you that you want to check in next Tuesday, number 93, with Desiree Pace. This is a really fun interview. You don't want to miss it. In fact... You can make it really easy on yourself. Again, like I always say, if you're one of those people that haven't subscribed, like, why aren't you listening, dog? It's so easy. You pick up your phone, you look at the little podcast shit you're watching or listening to right now, and you click a word that says subscribe. And then every week, boom, 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 the Lifestylist podcast just gets dropped into your phone magically through space. It's fantastic. Thanks so much for joining me. And I can't wait to bring you another episode next week. Hey, don't forget, if you want to enter to win two free tickets to the upcoming Bulletproof Biohacking Conference, October 13th through 15th in LA, all you have to do is text the word Bulletproof Luke to the number 44222. However, if you're outside of the United States and you don't have a US phone, you'll need to do it online. The URL is bit.ly forward slash Bulletproof T-I-X. Text the word Bulletproof Luke to 44222 or go to bit.ly forward slash bulletproof T-I-X. See you there.